We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Tuesday, November the 15th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up show. Appreciate you all tuning in. I see Gene Lott, Travi, Stephen Borwell Jr., Hunter Johnson, Stephen Borwell Jr. It looks like Facebook is up and working. We've got comments coming in, Stephen, from Facebook. Uh, Hunter Johnson, Kevin Carlson, Cody Gaskins, Rebecca, Todd Smith, what is up? Appreciate you all tuning in. Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord, have the TDC Questions channel, the TDC Questions channel, to be sure your questions are answered there. Um, I see Brandon Watts also. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. We've got a lot to discuss and get into, like I said, here on this Tuesday of Tennessee week. Gamecocks taking on the Volunteers this weekend. Shane Beamer will speak to the media, of course, his weekly presser will be at 1.30, and we will be tuned in to that. So, obviously, I know we're all waiting uh, very anxiously, very intrigued to hear what Shane Beamer has to say ahead of the game this weekend. Guys, again, if you're having issues with Facebook, please let me know. I know that uh, Stephen Morrell Jr. said something, but I believe we should be up and live on Facebook because I do see you guys commenting on Facebook as well. Um, also, by the way, I don't know if anybody, anybody's going to notice, does the camera look any different today? I, I don't know that it will. Uh, we actually just upgraded our Melon streaming platform to where now it's going to go from 720 to 1080p, I believe. So it should be maybe a little bit clearer on you guys' end. I'm not exactly sure if you're going to be able to tell much of a difference, if any difference at all. Either way, appreciate you all tuning in. Those tuning, by the way, to the podcast version of this, I do want to say thank you. Hey, it really does help the business that you guys go back, listen to the show, uh, tune into the show, if you will. Can't say thank you enough um, going back and listening. Of course, we monetize the podcast now, so every single download, it does help the podcast. So I just want to say it helps the business. So I want to say thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. And guys, phone lines are open, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. I dig music. It looks crystal clear. Great to hear, my guy. Great to hear. Uh, Alex McGrath just hit me up. Not going to be able to do video. Um, let's see. Let's see. So we're going to see if maybe Alex wants to call in or do a different day this week. We're going to find out just what works for his schedule. Alex McGrath 
expected to join us. Phil, what's up, man? Great to see you commenting. Appreciate you tuning in, Phil. Also, guys, really excited. Uh, For some of you, you're going to be like, who in the world is this? Others of you, I think, will probably be really excited. But uh, Dana Beers of Barstool Sports is actually going to join the podcast uh, tonight. That'll be on the pod tomorrow for a special interview. Of course, Dana Beers choosing his final school, if you will, or choosing the school he's going to pull for, be a fan of. Uh, he will be in Columbia this weekend, so I thought, why not? Let's get him on the show, get him on the airwaves, talk a little bit ahead of his official visit. So it should be a fun conversation, sort of sort of off the wall, if you will, not your typical talking to a player, talking to a media head, if you will. Going to be a really fun, relaxed, laid-back conversation and excited chatting with Dana Beers. Again, I, I, I see the comments coming in, guys, and I know the mood right now is... Uh, Man, how how would you describe the mood of Gamecock Nation right now? How would you describe the mood? I I just, disgruntled, dejected. I think dejected's a really good way to put it. Um, You know, I I see people commenting in regards to what they're expecting Shane Beamer to say. Pissed off. Yeah, pissed off for sure. Um, And, you know, I want to bring this up. I, I, I saw this this morning. And it really is telling, you know, in regards to... Because context matters in college football, right? It, it, it does. Context matters. Go ahead and jump to the phone lines first before I dive into that. Phil, what's up, man? How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing, my brother? I'm doing well. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, just waiting on the MLR... Scheduled to be released, hoping for a mid-February start to the season. Should be a good time. But right now, I think everybody in Gamecock country is hurting. Mm -hmm. But I would say to those people, what program do you think you're supporting? Um, It's year two Mm -hmm. of a guy that's never been a head coach before. He was a great hire in the sense that he wanted to be here. Mm -hmm. He loves Carolina, cut his teeth here from the state of South Carolina, born, right, in Charleston. He's a guy that was uh, there uh, in the Spurrier era, which we all love, uh, especially, you know, the beginning and the middle parts, not the end. Um, I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, whether it was their coming of age as a Carolina fan, see those three years where we won 11 games and said, well, this is it. I'm going to just put my heart there. And if anything deters from that, then I am absolutely furious with the program. And I think that we've underachieved or whatever. Mm. They're not, they're not looking at the whole story. And some of us that are more realistic are happy with six wins because that means that we're bowl eligible, which is a rarity uh, in Carolina football history. A lot of people are just rolling their eyes right now and don't want to hear it. But here's the fact of the matter, and I hate to use an NFL analogy, but that's really the only thing that I can think of. These people think they're supporting the Patriots, but they're actually supporting the Cleveland Browns, okay? And once you get past that, you can really come to terms with being okay with a winning season Mm -hmm. or just saying six wins, that's great. Let's see if we can build off of that. Of course, we don't want to just have a six and six year every single year, um, or a you know uh, losing the bowl game or winning the bowl game. Of course, we want to continue to climb up the mountain, 
but this thing is going to take a while. Um, it doesn't just flip around for us here at Carolina instantly. I think we've got the right guy. Now he's made some poor personnel decisions, but they're all not going to be home runs, folks. I, I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, some coaches don't want to come to Carolina. That, that's just the, the, the bottom line of it. I don't think Marcus Satterfield was Beaver's number one choice, regardless of what he you know, told us on that day. So let's keep that in mind. And ultimately, like I said, you know, some people think they're supporting the, the New England Patriots, but in fact you're actually supporting the Cleveland Browns. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean you have to turn in your fan card. Um, but listen, you know, you're, 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 you've got goals that are higher than what this uh, team is currently able to achieve. And it's on you if you're furious and taking a Twitter and saying everybody should be fired and you're so upset that we're not going to win 10 games this year. Dude, that's on you, man. You know, we all control our happiness in our life. And if you're one of those people that expects us to win 10 games every single season, if it's not, it's like a huge failure and everybody should be fired. Bro, that's on you. You know, think about who you're supporting as a fan. Of course, you want to embrace and love the team and the good times, but you need to back off a little bit on the bad times too because, listen, you know, it is kind of – it is what it is as a Carolina fan. That's not the whole thing. Um, best of luck to Carolina Rugby this weekend. They're playing their first game of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's a team that has a chance to win a national championship. If they win, let me think about this, three games, and they'll be national champions. So super happy about them. You know, uh, club sports, as we talk about, kind of carrying the banner for men's sports right now at Carolina – Cock Ruby, uh, uh, excuse me, Cock Cocky re- recently released an awesome uh, jersey, black jersey that looks absolute fire. Hopefully that'll go on sale at some point soon. So, yeah, that's all I got for you today. Have a good one. Bill, I go appreciate Cox. it, man. Thank you so much for the call. All, always a very real and uh, authentic take from Phil Harris, and, and and that's one of the reasons why I, I Phil and I get along so well. And and, and listen, I I think to a lot of what he said again. Folks don't want to hear it, but and I think let me let me make this clear. And I made this point on social media this morning too, because there are a lot of fans out there that really believe they have and their way of thinking and the way they attack each day and the way they attack their fandom. They really believe they have a direct impact on what happens with South Carolina football. Guys, Gamecock football don't even know you exist. Unless you're one of the top donors, you're one of the top boosters, you're one of the top people, right? You got your name on one of the buildings, you got your name on one of the offices. And I can say that about every single sport, right? Professional organizations, your favorite sports team doesn't know you exist. So what you expect from your team it's not like it's some direct correlation to, well, man, it's it's because my expectations are too low. That's why South Carolina football, that's why the Georgia Bulldogs, that's why the New England Patriots, that's why the Atlanta Braves, you know, that that's why they haven't haven't, they're not an elite program. It's because my expectations are too low. Dude, your expectations, your predictions, your thoughts, they don't have any impact on what happens on the field of play. So I think where Phil nails it is he speaks truly from a fan perspective that Carolina has been what it's been for over 100 years. From the fan perspective, it probably is a very wise decision when it comes to something you have no control and no impact over to not set unrealistic expectations for it. 
I mean, it, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. Now, inside the building, they should expect to win the national championship. They, as an athlete, right, a competitor, you should expect to win every game. You should not settle with losing. And, and I will say this. If you are a fan of a team, fan of a school, that does not mean I'm saying that you should not be, you know, voicing your opinion, right? That's what we do here, right? Voicing your opinion and, 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 you know, be disgruntled when you see a performance like you saw on Saturday. You know, it's, it's, it's not asking too much to ask to not get embarrassed, right? It's not asking too much to ask for the bare minimum. But, but that's why I, I laugh at people when they come at me and say, well, you should be using your platform this way to help Carolina. Bro, me picking South Carolina to go 12-0, and 0, it does nothing. It does nothing. Painting a sunshine and rainbows picture, a sunshine and rainbows perspective, it does nothing. If anything, it hurts. Creating unrealistic expectations, guys, if I were to do that, it would be irresponsible. It would be an irresponsible use of my platform. And so... I'm going to just keep it a buck and keep it real and call it as I see it and speak my truth. That way, I don't have to take into account, well, what does this person want to hear? What does this person want me to say? I'm going to call it as is. I've been that way since day one. I'll be that way forever and ever I'm in. And if I can't be that way, I won't do it anymore. I'll go a different path. I'll go a different direction, do something else. I'll create content in a new realm. But I get where Phil's coming from. I, I mean, it's a sobering thing. There's nothing wrong, and I've said this forever, there's nothing wrong with fans being in a show-me type of state. You know, being in a state of, I'm not going to hinge my happiness on this program winning nine or ten games or breaking out when they've never done it before. You know what I mean? Like, like that makes sense. But you got people that are, and, 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 I, and I see my guy Chase bringing up Kelsey. Again, in the building... In the building, that should be the expectation. Again, Chase, I think you've got to, and everyone, I think you've got to realize, like, the difference here. I think the mood around the program, in the building, within the coaching staff, within, you know, the 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 administration, it should be, it should be, the expectation should be to get to a point where you're winning championships. It should be that. But I'm just saying that, like, as fans... To say that you're, a, oh, this person's a bad fan because they're saying, I'm just going to be grateful to be going to a bowl game. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't see it that way, man. I don't, I don't see it that way. Because as a fan, you have no control. None. None. Unless, again, you're, you're, you're Ken and Cindy Long or you're Zane Christopher or you're, you're one of these donors. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're Darla Moore. You're, you're someone that's, you know, money talks, right? Then you have a say. Then your voice, you know, boosters are just fans with influence, guys. Money talks, bullshit walks. But unless you're doing that, I mean, we, we don't have control over what happens on the field. Fan, the chirping on Twitter, fan expectations on Twitter have no impact on what happens on the field of play. None. None. So if we, you know, I, I really do believe there's some people that think if we could just get everybody together on Twitter and say, let's just sing Kumbaya and, and, and let's ever get everybody to agree that if we don't win 10 games every year, we should fire the head coach. Then we'll start winning 10 games. There's people that actually believe that. I, I mean, 
I don't know, man. I, again, I, I, I'm not saying don't have expectations and hopes and dreams, but I, I, I respect the angle. I respect the angle that Phil is coming from. That you're just a fan. You have no control. Try to enjoy it the best you can. South Carolina football has won seven or more games in a season 29 times in over 100 years of competition. If if your happiness hinges on winning nine or ten Boy, oh boy. Let's jump to the phone lines. Zachary, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. What's going on? Well, you know, uh, I haven't been in since I called. When was the last time I called? It's after been we, a little bit. Oh, yeah. After we, yeah, I mean, I've been out here, you know, grinding, grinding, you know. I've been since uh, A&M since I last called. Yeah, that was a good night. But, you know, I just want to talk about the current, you know, state of, I guess you could say, things are going. You know, it it's not great because, you know, these were these games you thought you could win. You thought these were uh, easy wins. Uh, I didn't think they were easy wins because, you know, Missouri – has had your number for a while, uh, Mandy's Mandy, and you're playing in the swamp. But you know, I'm not trying to give anyone excuses. I was, you know, I was always very concerned about uh, not really Vanderbilt, but Missouri and Florida because, like I said, like I said, uh, Missouri has had your number the uh, the past couple of years. Like last year, like we had, uh, we pulled off a miracle win, and we went to Missouri and we just got, you know, embarrassed. And you can say what you want about uh, Florida. You can say what you want about uh, Anthony Richards. But, you know, going in the swamp, the swamp is a very hard place to play. Um, and I was really nervous because we were going into, into the swamp. So that's kind of what I thought going into those games. Yeah, I mean, that was abysmal Saturday, man. And, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's got to, you know, I, I, these 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 changes over the next month or so, these decisions that Beamer has on his plate, they will they will ultimately shape the future of the program. Yeah. So. I do believe, I, I do believe that um, Beamer knows he has to get rid of that. I think he's not. You know, there's a lot of people walking around thinking that, like, he he doesn't know what the problem is. Like, I highly doubt that because, you know, it's like I'm pretty sure, one, he's seeing it all on Twitter. I think he sees it all on Twitter. I think he sees it when he's watching the film. And lots of people are like, why aren't, isn't he making changes? And I'm like, I don't I, – I think Beamer's trying to do – I think – the thing about Beamer is he's trying to do right by people and he's trying to, you know, <laughs> not have like a bad look on the program. Like, you know, I think he really thought about firing Sat year one and then you had the explosion. Then you had the door then you had the bowl game, which the team looked really good. And he thought that, hey, maybe we can replicate this. And of course, that's not happening. And I think he's just—he's stuck between this rock and a hard place mm. of by doing right by people, and you know, trying to make this 
an appealing job for other people. Like you won't get fired if if you don't do like you don't you won't get fired after year one. And I'm not gonna fire you like in the middle of the season, like you know, because like people got jobs. You know, I just think that this is just comes with the learning curves of him being a first-time head coach. You know, like not everything is just gonna be a smooth. Like he's gonna have everything figured out. That's yeah, I mean, Zachary, like like I said, like I said, I I thought it was honestly a a genius move to bring Marcus Satterfield back, and I I don't know if he thought of it this way. Maybe he did, but I thought it was a smart move because, again, Shane Beamer is in a great position right now. Everybody is blaming Marcus Satterfield. Marcus Satterfield is the scapegoat for why the 2022 season went wrong, right? The next OC cannot be a swing and miss. So, if he didn't have the guy he wanted, if he didn't have the home run hire, you know, last December, last January, whatever, yeah. if he didn't have that guy lined up, he was smart to bring Marcus Satterfield back. Now he's got no choice, right? There's just no way. Yeah. There's no way you can bring Sat back and retain the faith and the hope and the trust of this fan base that you've built up to this point. But this next OC, it, it will it will undoubtedly define Shane Beamer's tenure here. And, and, and I don't want to start talking about job status and, and all that, but I, I just, even if you're going six and six, God, even if you're going seven and five, if you're getting to year four and year five and the offense is still garbage, I, I just don't know how long fans will will support it. I, I don't know how long fans will will put up with it, right? Gamecock fans want to see good I, offense more than anything. I mean, that that to me is is really what it comes down to. That's why I say it's it's Shane Beamer's number one priority to get it fixed. Because what's happening is, here's what's happening. Here's the problem. You won seven last year. Great. You've won six this year. Great, right? You're going to postseasons. You're building the program. That's great. But you're, when you're winning, you're winning ugly. And when you're losing, it's even uglier. That's the problem. Right, I mean, I've got the list here in front of me of all the teams you've beaten since Shane Beamer has taken over as head coach. These are the teams. You ready? Eastern Illinois, East Carolina, Troy, Vandy, Florida, Auburn, North Carolina, Georgia State, Charlotte, SC State, Kentucky, A&M, and Vandy. You know what the best record of those teams you've beaten is? As it stands here today, Kentucky, who is right now 6-4. and four. East Carolina went seven and five last year. So maybe we should put them at the top. But do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm getting at? You're winning ugly against, dare I call it, inferior competition. And then when you play anybody that's worth a damn, you're getting killed. And it's because your offense is anemic. So that's got to get fixed. It's just got to get fixed. And that's what Shane Beamer will ultimately be judged on. Yeah. I, and, and I and there were so many games. There was like I can count on my hands. There was like at least two or three games. If you showed just like last year, especially if you just showed anything on offense, you might have pulled those games out. And you know that's the frustrating thing about it is. But I think Beamer hired Stat, thinking that it was an out of the box hire. 
It wasn't an SEC retread. You know, he got burned by an SEC retread. And I think that Beamer wanted something fresh. And, you know, sometimes those things work and sometimes those things don't work. And, you know, like I said, you know, I I do blame this mostly on the learning curve of him being a first-time head coach and him trying to do, like, like trying to, like, do right by a person as, like, a human and struggling to, like, struggling to figure out the business aspect of it all because, you know, there's a lot that goes into being a head coach, you know. By no means am I giving any excuses. It's just that you have a person who's trying to be a good coach and a good person, you know, you get somewhere lost in the middle. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we're, 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 we're dealing with the learning curve, my guy. There's no doubt about that. Zachary, I appreciate the call, my guy. Always a pleasure to hear from you. All right. Yeah, man, we'll talk soon. Great stuff from Zachary. Trying to keep it moving, guys. No Alex McGrath today. We're actually going to move him to tomorrow. So you know what that means. We're wide wide open for your questions, your comments, your calls. We are wide open here on this Tuesday, November the 15th, 2022. Uh, Go ahead and jump to the phone lines. Lex, what's going on? How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I had to stop myself for a second. I was like, yes, Lex. Okay. Now, yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I think that the thing that really irritates me the most, I'm, I'm just going to rehash what I wrote in, in the Discord, but telling them he was proud of them after that performance is just, like, mind-blowing to me. Um. You know, I'm really on board with what Kelsey said. Stop being soft. Stop being lovey. Um, you know, I played sports. I didn't play football, but I played basketball. And my my coach would have chewed my ass out, chewed our asses out, <laughs> if we were that sluggish and showed that performance. Um, I'm just, you know, like, as a former athlete, we knew when we fucked up. Um, so going in there and saying I'm proud is is only reinforcing that performance is acceptable when it's not. Um, that's all I got for you. Lex, Go I, yeah, well said. I appreciate it, Lex. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I agree with everything she said, um, and, and I think that I think that's what kills fans too. Is it's 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 so nauseating right after you lose and 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 hearing the kind of <laughs> you know the, the the lovey-dovey type of attitude and the lovey-dovey type of feel and um you know so uh, yeah so now alex i think you make great points i think you make great points and and i and i'd like to see beamer stern up a little bit I, i'm not saying go out there and go out there and and rip the players publicly and rip, rip his staff publicly but you know just at least give off the indication that that it's it's not acceptable. Uh, no, man, how are you? I'm doing good. about you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's up? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'll get about the Florida game. So, uh, we we did have a lot of injured players mm-hmm. that I know note of, of so, you know so far, and um, Marshawn wasn't there, obviously. And there's a bunch of I think there was a bunch of O line that wasn't there, and. Uh, I think if our you know, if, if all the players were still playing, I think we would have put up more points with Florida. 
and uh, you know, going on to Tennessee. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if you heard of uh, if Marshall is going to be playing or not this weekend. Well, Hunter, let me just say this to your first point: Would we have put up more points if Marshawn was playing? Well, we put up zero without him. So the odds that right. we put up more than zero, fairly high. Uh, is Marshawn Lloyd playing this week? I, I genuinely, at this point, have no idea, man. I mean, we heard last week that that Wednesday he practiced and looked great. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you uh, 110%. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I I know uh, I, I swore I heard last last weekend, um, or not last weekend, this weekend. Uh, apparently, uh, I think our there was a few O lines that that was just injured, and which is what, and they had to put like freshman O line in there, and which is why we couldn't put up points because I mean they they couldn't learn the playbook, you know, that fast. So I'm not sure if that's the reason why, or we just thought, you know, in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, there's a multitude of reasons, man. <laughs> yeah, I think it starts with. Yeah. with I think it's thing it starts with the scheme and and, and down to execution. To, I mean, everything, bro. When you score zero, everybody's to blame. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, if the OC, the same OC comes back, if that comes back next year, then. It's just gonna be the same old bullshit. To be honest. I, there, um, I, yeah, yeah, and and I'd say this, man. I just think there's no way. There's just no way. Yeah, there's I mean, especially no the way. pain that we've been through for two yeah. years. There's, there's, there's no way. I mean, yeah. uh, who, who hired him in the first place? Was it Beamer? Yes, Beamer did hire him. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if much Camp did or not. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's all I needed. Yeah, Hunter, I appreciate the call, man. Always a pleasure to hear from you. No problem, man. Bye. Yeah, man. We'll talk soon, guys. We're gonna jump into a quick break. I'm gonna, I'm gonna toggle a little bit with the, uh, with the interface here, but uh, we'll jump into one quick break. And really from there, guys, probably after this first break, we'll just roll through, take your questions, uh, and we'll roll into Beamer's presser at 1.30. More of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843 843- 7903377. That's 8437903377. We're just taking a look at the spread for the game on Saturday. Of course, tomorrow's podcast will be our best bet. And SCC gambling picks. Gamecock sit as a 21 and a half point underdog. The over-under set at 65 and a half. Hey, if you feel confident, you think the Gamecocks are gonna pull off a big upset. South Carolina money line to win this ball game. Plus 1,000. <laughs> so the odds are not exactly in our favor. Not exactly in our favor. Um, anyways. Want to continue to hear from you guys. 843-790-3377. That's 843 Seven. Luke R.J. said he hired Satterfield from in-house and someone he knew very well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for sure when you look at it, you know, Shane Beamer wanted to keep Mike Bobo on staff, guys. You might recall that, right? He, he wanted to keep Mike Bobo. And I, 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 think, I think that that Sat was a very 
last minute kind of pull it all together type of hire. You know, I I, I don't I don't think it was his number one. I I I just highly doubt it was his go to his go to hire. So you know, here we are. Anyways, uh, guys, like I mentioned, no Alex McGrath today. He will join us tomorrow. Um, Alex actually letting me know that. He changed uh, firms, I believe, right? Yeah, changed firms. So congratulations to our guy, Alex McGrath. Um, But anyways, he will join us tomorrow. So that means your questions, comments, calls wide open today until Shane Beamer's presser at 1.30. We might take one more break before then, but either way, guys, I'd love for you all to blow up the phone lines. How you feeling? Um, You know, like I mentioned earlier, we're in a very interesting position. Very interesting position when it comes to this fan base and the mood overall. Because isn't it wild, right? Isn't it wild just a couple of months ago, right? The momentum was through the roof. Recruiting was going insanely well. You had this hot shot quarterback, Spencer Rattler. I mean, just think about the hype. You got it, SEC Media Days. Coming off a bowl win. You know, you got Spencer Rattler. You've got a veteran offensive line. You added weapons on the outside. You you added another weapon at tight end. You added an experienced running back. You had Marshawn Lloyd finally healthy. You had Clayton White on the defensive side that overachieved last year. You could argue, you argued he had more talent this year. A schedule that seemed manageable, right? How quickly things can change. How quickly things can change. You know? Mm. Brandon Wagner says, preseason hype is the best part of college football. Brandon, it's why I release it. Brandon, it's why I release every single year over the summer, Hope Springs Eternal. That article I write, I don't know if you guys ever read it. It's my favorite piece of content, written content, <laughs> that I've probably ever made. I would say it definitely is. It's my favorite piece of made, but Hope Springs Eternal in the offseason. Hall of Famer. Robbie Davis, what's up, man? How are you? I am doing fantastic. Doing my usual routine, sitting here eating lunch and watching the Spurs Up show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you calling in. What's going on? I just thought about this right as I die, right as I hit the call button, okay? Mm-hmm. So bear with me on this. Okay. Do you think we would be going through this mess that we're going through now if Bobo hadn't tucked his tail and ran? Do you think we'd be still going through something like this or what? what What's your opinion on that? See, the, the, the popular, that's a great question. The popular take on that question is, no, we'd be better off. And I, I don't know that it could be worse than it is under SAT in, in, in regards to offensively. So mm-hmm. would we be better off slightly? I mean, listen, a lot of the fan base didn't like Mike Bobo at that point because of the whole Ryan Helensky thing. But I will say this, and I think here's one of the biggest issues with Marcus Satterfield because – Kurt Roper was not a good offensive coordinator. Brian McClendon, not a great offensive coordinator. And Mike Bobo, you know, all things considered, not a great year, not a great offensive coordinator. 
But you know what all three of those guys did that Marcus Satterfield can't even do? They got the ball. They got the ball in the hands of their playmakers. You know, Kurt Roper got the ball. Kurt Roper got the ball to Debo Samuel. He got the ball to Brian Mm -hmm. Edwards. He got the ball to Mm -hmm. Hayden Hurst. Brian McClendon got the ball to, you know, Brian Edwards, Shai Smith, Rico Dowdle. Mike Bobo, God. I mean, he he forced it to Kevin Harris and Shai Smith, but he got it to him. The playmakers touched the football. The offenses weren't great, but the playmakers got the ball. The playmakers made plays. Marcus Satterfield can't even do that without an uproar from the fan base. And then they, you know, they're 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 scrambling around panic mode. Well, we got to get him to touch it. So let's just stick him at running back. I mean, the move, the the Jaheim Bell move to running back, it's it's such a was- it's such a panic, inexperienced coach move where it's like you start to feel the heat. You know you messed up mm-hmm. having zero targets to your one of your best players in the game against Mizzou. So what do you do? How can we get him the ball as many times as quickly as possible so we can shut the fan base up? So we can so we can you know we can make his mom happy on Twitter. How how can we do that? But you're not solving the problem, which is mm-hmm. getting him the football in space in in positions where he can actually really utilize his skill set and make plays. You're not really solving the problem. You know, yeah, so I, at, at least not solving the problem. At least those old OCs, they got their playmakers the ball. I mean, God, Shy Smith, Shy Smith was mm-hmm. the only option we had in the passing game. And they were forcing it to him. He's getting 11, 12 catches. I mean, who can forget the beginning of that 2020 season? It was just Colin Hill to Shy Smith constantly. So, yeah. you know, and, and the move to put Jaheim Bellet running back, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a panic, inexperienced coach type of move where it's like, well, what, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's calm down the noise and let's just, let's just get in the ball as much as possible. I, I mean, I, I, I like Jaheim Bell a lot, man, but it's like it's just wild to me that it's like there are guys on the roster that are actually running backs. That, yeah. And you're sticking Jaheim Bell back there just because you're trying to you're just trying to prove a point and, and make sure Mama Bell's happy. And you know, you you start seeing the the noise about well, Jaheim Bell might be a top target in the transfer portal. You're like, oh my God, you know, we got to put out these fires. Like, but you're not solving the problem. Right. And I think they honest now, in my own personal opinion, I don't know if you feel this way, it ain't none of my business. But in my personal opinion, they fudged up whenever they put him at running back. It was just, again, it's just a short-term fix to a bigger problem, you know? Like, I mean, we're not – I mean, listen, we're not sitting here talking about Jaheim Bell hadn't touched the ball, but what difference does it make if they're just giving him the ball and he's running up the middle? You know, like, what like what difference does it make? Right. Like, he might as well not touch it. I mean – Right. You're, you're not best and utilizing his skill set. our offensive line looks like they can't block nobody, so – well, Robbie, you know, to their credit against Florida, when you're running the ball at the middle and Florida's got like a 400-pound defensive nose tackle, like, I, I, I mean, that's <laughs> you're, you're an idiot. You're an idiot for trying that. You're an idiot for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, we've had some, hor- some horrible OCs, okay? But like you said, we got the ball to the playmakers and let them go to work. 
Like, if you would have told me, if you would have told me Kevin Harris in the 2020 season where we only played 10 conference games and that was it, was going to be the best running back, he was going to have 1,000 yards rushing in just a 10-game span, I would have. I would have told you there's no way. An all-conference schedule? Having a conference game every week? There's no way. But somehow, by some miracle of God, he got a 1,000 yards rushing. And that's, well, that's the one thing he was good at in the 2020, running the football. We couldn't pass the football for squat because our quarterback – who was our quarterback in 2020? I can't even remember now. I'm having, a, I'm having like a – brain hiccup here was it colin hill that was our quarterback in 2020 yes robbie mm-hmm. yeah yeah when you got a statue back there that you know he's not going to run of course they're going to bring the blitz i mean for god's sakes they knew he wasn't going to run so when we were in a passing situation they brought the, mm-hmm. they brought the kitchen sink because they knew if they got to Colin Hill, the play would be over. And our, our receivers couldn't really get open mm-hmm. that often. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, it, it's, you know, listen, we're, 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 we're spewing hot air right now. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's obvious what's, what's got to happen, what's going to happen. Marcus mm-hmm. Satterfield will be fired right. in, in a few weeks. Yeah, it, it's, it's. I mean, there's just there's just no way, you know. Shane Beamer is a very, very self-aware man. Like he 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 he's as in tune with a fan base on social media as I'd argue any coach is. And so, mm-hmm. and he's not going to make a decision based off of, you know, what Twitter's saying, right? And like, nor nor should he. You know, I think that's kind of funny when people on Twitter. And this is kind of a side note, but when when companies are or organizations make a decision based off of quote unquote Twitter backlash. Like, bro, Twitter is 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 a a, a small piece of like humanity. Like, mm-hmm. it's not everything. Anyways, though, Shane Beamer's right. not going to make a change based off what fans are saying on social media. But he shouldn't have to look at what fans are saying on social media. I mean, look at the results on the field. Look at the averages. Look at the stats. Look at look at the trends. Look at the fact yeah. you're not getting certain recruits because they don't want to play in a boring, anemic offense. That's enough. Like, th- there's more than enough damning evidence to right. why you need to move on. So, And you only scored six points against the Florida defense that wasn't that good. We made them look good. But they, they, the Florida defense was not that good. No, they sucked, Robbie. They're, they're one of the worst in the conference. Yeah, they lost to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we beat Kentucky. Without Will Levis, but yes, we did. Hey, I don't give a hoot. And it's not our fault that Will Levis was hurt. It didn't, so we, we, took, we took the hand he was dealt, and we – Beat Kentucky. Enough said. But, and um, by the way, in case anybody wants to know and you didn't know, the the basketball game against Colorado State will be on ESPNU for those of you that want to watch it. 
Okay. Of course, you know I'm going to be watching it because I'm a basketball guy. Okay. So, but 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 for those of y'all that don't know, it is on ESPN U on the 17th. So, and uh, also, just in case you wind up, uh, I'm pretty sure you're probably not going to have a show on the on Thanksgiving, right? I will not do a show on Thanksgiving Day. No. Now. I will be probably well, on the road that day, so I may do something like that night, um, mm-hmm. like a Twitter Spaces. But no, t- we will not have a daily crow on Thanksgiving. Then I will probably give you my prediction on Tuesday. I love it. And I'm gonna, I'm, I, and as soon as I hang off of here, I'm gonna send you the poster for my dad's show this weekend. I asked him if he wanted me to send it to you, and he said yes, so I'm going to send it to you. Gotcha. I love it. Robbie, always but, uh, a- You have a great yeah. rest of your day. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, mm. and, and safe travels. Robbie, I appreciate you, my guy. Always a pleasure to hear from you. We'll talk soon. Great stuff from Robbie Davis. Um, guys, I just all I did was point out that Levis didn't play in the game. I didn't say it's why South Carolina won. I just made the point that he didn't play. But – I mean, to that point, and we'll jump to the phone lines. Aaron, what's up, my friend? How are you? Man, I'm just chilling. I'm over here just leaving five guys across the street from my hotel, the Hilton. Man, five guys. You must be. You must be. Ball- you must be balling, my guy. Leaving five guys. No, man. Five guys ain't nothing. <laughs> that shit was when you buy a hamburger. <laughs> What do you do? I love it. I love it, man. Good burgers there. Good burgers. It was. It was awesome. It yeah. was awesome. But yeah, you know what? Uh, the first caller. <laughs> he talked. I, I always, you know, living in South Carolina. Hmm. Well, growing up in South Carolina, living in growing up <laughs> in South Carolina, man, it, we act like we don't see this every year. You know, like most years. You, you'd think people would get used to it by now. You, you'd think people would get used to it, right? Yeah, it's, it's just weird because, uh, like, I don't live here anymore. You know, I keep an eye on the game box. But this, this, what year, this isn't different than last year. This isn't different from any other Will Muschamps. Well, most of the Will Muschamps here. I don't know why we're all surprised. Listen. Shane Beamer is a guy who's learning on the job. I'm skeptical. I don't know if he'll – I don't know if he'll get it done. You know, you'd like to see him do it, but we just don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't don't think – to me, I don't think you pay – I don't think you pay somebody about $2 million a year to learn on the job in the SEC. It's just inviting getting your head crushed when you're out talented. And that, that's another thing. It's not like South Carolina is going to beat most teams that they're more talented than. Mm-hmm. But when the talent's even or, you know, when they have a talent disadvantage, they're going to get crushed. And this has been happening. Mm-hmm. How long have they been? 92 was when they got in the SEC. I remember when my mom bought the shirt, proud to be in the SEC. And it's been happening ever since. Mm-hmm. It's no, I don't know why we're surprised. 
that's the only thing I'm getting at. Gainesville, you know what, man? I'm disappointed in Gainesville. Gainesville reminded me of an episode of South Park, like when the little kids go to raisins. <laughs> it's like maybe I'm am I so I'm I so that. old. Not I ain't I ain't even I ain't that old, but I'm saying the girls look so young. I wasn't even turned on. It, it was weird, man. It was weird. It was still a good. It was still a good time, though. Nice little time. <laughs> I've never been to Gainesville, so I'll just show, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Aaron, you're a legend. I appreciate it, man. All right. Yeah, man. Take care. <laughs> oh, I love Aaron, man. He just spits, tells it as it is. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, man. I absolutely love it. Um, guys, again, phone lines are open. Let's keep rocking. Let's keep rocking. Uh, I see our guy, Cam Johnson, trying to call in. Cam, phone lines open, man. Go ahead and call in now. We can get you in. I think you're probably that, that Colombian number that's been trying to call in. Sorry, I didn't mean to put your location out there, but you're the 803 number, I should say. Here we go. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, man, what's up? Hey, I just really think, that we got a shot versus Tennessee, man. I think that we are discovering what their offense is all about. I think Georgia exposed them. And I don't know about you, but I really think we got a shot this year. From your lips to God's ears, my friend. From your lips to God's ears. I mean, Georgia really exposed them and showed them that they can be beaten, you know? They can. Do you got any of those Georgia players in your back pocket or no? I mean, we have a couple first-round picks, don't you think? <laughs> Who, my guy? Name them out. Name them out. Who are the first-rounders on oh. that defense? I, I think Spider-Man. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Spider-Man. Uh, hey, good. At least he asked some good questions leading into it, though. I mean, when when you say something that ridiculous, you know it's a troll call. When when you say something that ridiculous, so I appreciate you, Spider Man. That'll be a quick block number, real fast. I uh, appreciate you, Spider Man. I, I I at least like when they call in, so I know who to block. So yeah, the what's funny is like people call in, like I'd never do this, but I'm like I just gotta write mine to like put these numbers out there on blast. No, Cam, I didn't think that was you, my guy. All good. All good. No. Yeah. Again, when you when you call in saying something that ridiculous, like you kind of know. No, Cam, I didn't think that was you, man. No, you're good. You're good. That was our Spider-Man callers. I, I do want to say this, by the way, guys, and I this is just something I want to share with you all. I, I'll wait on that point. I'll wait on that point. Let's jump to the phone. Cam, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Glad we were to get you in. What's going on? Nah, man, just sitting there at work. I just wanted to reiterate on something you was just talking to uh, Robbie about. Yeah. About the um, scared move by putting Jaheim Bell in at running back and letting him tote the ball mm-hmm. 15, 20 times, however many he toted it. Um, let me ask you, man, if you was the head coach of any team, any team at any level, and you saw somebody negatively impacting – the offense every single week. You come in, no changes are being made. I mean, would you not want a man at the top to be able to maybe see that something needs to change, game plan, in game? I mean, we'd have a head coach who, 
I'm not trying to knock Beamer, man. I'm really not. But I don't think he has the ability to make in-game changes himself. I don't think he has the experience. I don't think he really knows what to do to do a change within the offense to get them to go in the right direction because week after week after week, we see the same thing. And he allows that man to negatively impact the offense every single week. And he sits in on the game plans with them. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you would. You, if you're running, yeah, you you would think an adjustment would be made, my friend, and you wouldn't have to wait until end of season to make said adjustment. I, I I would agree with you. Yeah. But in the SEC, I know this is Beamer's first job. I mean, has he ever coached? Been a head coach of a high school team? Has he been a head coach anywhere in his life ever? No, no, never been a court. Never was a coordinator either. Is the SEC the ideal place to earn your stripes? <laughs> I would I not. Mean, I, mean, I, I would not say so. I would not say so. I know, and I don't expect you to, you know, yeah. down talk Beamer. And I think he's a great guy. I think he's going to be a hell of a recruiter. But man, damn, yeah. I just, I was high on that guy down there in Conway, and I wish we would have gave him a little bit more attention. Well, and, I, and I'll say this, Cam, to your point about talking down on Beamer. I mean, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to – but I'm, I'm going to call it how I see it. You know what I mean? I, I don't think any of the criticism is unfair right now. You know, people have this – and I think I talked about this yesterday, but people have – or maybe on the podcast, I did, people have this misconception that it's like, oh, well, you know, you're making Beamer Ball merch and you make this merch and, you know, you, you kind of – you have to walk on eggshells of what you say. It's like, bro, I, that's not me at all. Like, I, I you can fully right. – here's the thing. You can fully – like, you're obviously a Gamecock fan. You obviously want Beamer to do well. You know, I, I, I'm the same way. I support Shane Beamer while also being critical at the same time. I'd be critical of my brother if I thought he was making a mistake. Doesn't mean I do, if he was making mistakes. It doesn't mean I don't love him at the end of the day, right? So I mean, to think that the guy's immune, right? To think that the guy's immune from criticism. I mean, it, it's this is the SEC. This is big boy football, and like, yeah, when you get embarrassed. And you get shut out offensively against a bad defense, and like you, when you right. lose the way you did, I mean, dude, it, it would be it would be weird if there wasn't mass criticism. It would be weird. Like you should want that because right. if you don't get that after a performance like Saturday, you're coaching in a school where football doesn't move the needle. Like football doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So right. they may not like some of the things they're hearing. They may not like some of the criticism, but. Uh, it's much better than the alternative of people just checking out and not caring. So listen, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm 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 not gonna like go out here and dance on you know or like or like just just talk about how terrible I think Beamer is. But if I you know, I said it when he was hired, and I support Beamer in saying this. But it was a roll of the dice. I mean, it was a roll of the dice. Yeah, God had zero experience, Absolutely. had never been a head coach, had never been a coordinator. I'm not sitting here telling you that he's not going to have a very successful tenure, but these growing pains we're dealing with early on, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. And unfortunately, no. it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure he's learning a lot as a head coach, but you better learn fast because you're not going to get 10 years to figure right. it out. You're not. You're going to get maybe till year five. No. And if it's still the same thing, if it's, if it's still anemic offensively, you're just, you're not going to be here. You, you'll get five years max. And right. That's yeah, just the reality. Keep, people keep saying, you know, he needs to grow, grow a pair and grow a pair and fire him. I mean, he's 45 years old. He's either got a pair or he don't. You know what I'm saying? He's either <laughs> a man or a mouse, you know, at this point. Right. 
But no, I appreciate it, man. I just, you know, because I, I was commenting on it. I don't people think I'm bashing Beamer. I was, I'm just that high on Chadwell. I think he's going to do great things in college football. I think he's going to win a lot of games. He's already won a lot of games. I think he's going to keep doing that. Right. And the book's kind of already out on him as a head coach. And the fact that we didn't even give him the, the benefit of the doubt and hear what he had to say, it might shoot us in the foot in the long run. So You might be I right. appreciate it, man. Hey, you might be right, Cam. I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. Yeah, take care. Great stuff. Great stuff coming from Cam. Uh, I mean, listen, man, I think that's just real. I think that's real. Um, and, and that's 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 what, you know, the Carolina Slapdick community, that's 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 what they can't wrap their head around is that you can you can fully support someone, right? I I, I fully support Shane Beamer uh, in regards to him being our coach, you know, a stand but like people and I think what a lot of it is, not to take this down like a, a whole other path. I think it's a lot of it's the world we live in, right? P- people think that they view even constructive criticism, right? That the world 2022, it's it's just so, so sensitive and so soft that it's like any piece of criticism, even even if it's constructive, is viewed as negative. Like, oh my God, you're either you're either 110% blindly with me or you're against me. And it's like that that's just not the case. You know, I, I don't want to surround myself with people in life that are yes people. Nobody should want that. You should want to surround yourself with people that are going to hold you accountable, right? That are going to call you, call it for what it is, Brian, and help you along the way. To accept. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Chris. How you doing, Bubba? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Uh, I'm just um want to give my thoughts on floor. I mean, I watched the Florida game like everybody else, and I, my jaw hit the ground. I, I didn't think we could look as bad as we did in that game. I mean, especially with that um, a huge t- defensive tackle Florida had, that big 415-pound dude. I just, I mean, this is Billy Napier's first year there, and I, I really expected to go in there and upset Florida, but, I mean, we didn't. And, um as long as to the next in Tennessee, you have a different beast. Um, mm-hmm. If you stack the line and try to stop their run, because I mean they do run the ball decent, they um, they just go throw it over the top. And um, if and if you try to double cover their receivers, they go run on you. So I, I wouldn't know how you. Their offense is so un up tempo. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if we have the horses. I mean. I feel like we can upset them if everything falls into place. I mean, that's why I got a 38 to 35 prediction, but I just, I, I need to, we, we got to play better. I mean, it's senior night. A lot of seniors will be walking. It's, um, you, so you, hold on. You, 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 got, you got 38 to 35 Tennessee getting the dub. Is that right? I got 38 to 35 South Carolina. Getting the Okay. All right. So you're picking the upset. Yeah. And I, I'm just saying that because it's, it's going to be a sellout crowd, a last home game of the season, and a senior night. So, I mean, that's all uh, factored into it. But, I mean, that's just, that's just, I'm going with my heart instead of my head. My head's telling me to the season skull skull crushers. But my heart's saying Carolina. You know how that goes, heart to head. I, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I get it. I get it. No, I get it. I, I love my game, Cox, man. And regardless, if we finish 6-6, six and six, are we going to a bowl? We get them extra practices in and – Regardless of we finish eight and four, six, six, that's still gonna be good, man. Yeah. Bye, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thirty-eight to thirty-five. Hey, at least he admitted it's with his heart, right? At least he admitted it's with his heart. So, listen, I, uh, 
I respect it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I think even I think even with my heart, I can't see it. <laughs> just even even thinking with my heart first, I just can't see it. I I just can't see it. Like I I hate to, you know, I I I. I see mark what's up man how are you i'm good how are you doing well what's going on good so my my main my main question will be about the offensive line Mm -hmm. so i've been pretty disappointed this year i think that our offensive line are not as as mobility focused as they should be i think they're too fat they're too fat (laughs) yeah i think they don't move around too well I don't think they move around too well. I think that hurts us in the run game. That that is a theory, my guy. That is a theory. I, I mean, I. So, do, yeah. do you think that they're fat? No, I don't think they're too fat. No, I don't. I don't know that that's quite. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. If I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I don't know. Hey, maybe maybe you're onto something. Maybe we need to put our O lineman on a better diet. Yeah, maybe. What do you think's fatter? Then yeah, I, I knew where that was going. When you get a when you get a no caller ID call, the guy calling in no caller ID, so I can't block his number. What a, that, that's wild, wild. Are people out of school today? Like are are, are kids out of school today? High school kids? I don't know. Cardinal Newman, by the way, that's the high school where the Spider Man callers go. Cardinal Newman. I messed that up last time. I think I said Hammond. It's Cardinal Newman. So, shout out to those guys. Shout out to the the fine folks at Cardinal Newman. The high school kids. They uh future leaders of America or ditch diggers, whatever. Uh, anyways, let's see. Let's jump back to the phone lines here. Derek, what's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. I think this is a Shane Beamer uh, topic. Um, when I when I was just thinking about it, and I'm not a Muschamp guy and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff, I will say that Muschamp is a hell of a recruiter. Um, he's way better than Shane, in my opinion. And when I was looking at the numbers, um, Muschamp, his he was like 15 and 11, mm-hmm. and that's counting both. And when you look at Beamer, Beamer may be 14 and 12. That's like a three-game, you know, uh, that Muschamp has than, than Beamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, and I was one of these guys like, man, we need to go ahead and lock this guy up, so forth and so on. But I understand what you were saying, like, yo, we need to just pump the brakes on this thing. Because this guy's never been a head coach before. And I admit, I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But she was like, head on to it. Slow your roll. Let's just see this thing work itself out. And Beamer may be a 500 ball coach. Is he worth what the going rate is for uh, these SEC coaches? We don't know. But it's just, it's just, it's 
just eye opening. Like when you just stop and just chill and just see for what it is. That this is basically probably the best that he is. I mean, yeah, he's a good rah rah guy, but as far as like X's and O's and stuff like that, he's not that. I mean, yeah, Will had a Will had a couple decent years, I can say, mm-hmm. but Will's biggest problem was the offense. He had the defense. The offense was the problem. And I just thinking about it, just like, yo, I just want to apologize to you, brother, because he was dead on. He was dead on. Hopefully, Shane can get it going, but I don't know how much trust I have in that. Man, I'll take it off the air, man. Hear what you got to say. Have a good one, brother. Derek, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I've said it many times. Shane might be the guy to get us to the guy, right? And, and I mean, what if that's the reality? What if Shane Beamer is a is a 500 coach? I mean, I, you know, uh, again, his number one priority's got to be fix the offense. It's it just, it's just, and and I, and I think to you know one of the things I'll bring up to what the caller's saying. The problem right now is this, you know, Shane Beamer, whether he realizes it or not, needs to do everything in his power to differentiate his era from the Muschamp era. Let's jump to the phone lines. James, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you calling in. What's up? Hey, man. I, uh, after that call, I had to call in, all right? I just had to. I, I just got on the show, and I, I really cannot believe I just heard a person compare the Will Muschamp tenure in with the Shane Beamer tenure. Like, it, that's just unbelievable. I mean, to say that Will Muschamp was had the defense figured out for us is just a complete exaggeration. Maybe at the beginning of his tenure, but at the end mm-hmm. of his tenure, our defense was trash. Our defense was absolute trash. I mean, it's just it's yeah. just unbelievable. I mean, I, to your point, to, to your point, that. I would I would argue I would argue that the defense was almost more of the reason at the end he got fired because that was supposed to be the Absolutely. bread and butter. I mean, the, the defense was the defense yeah. in 2020 was historically bad. I, I I would agree with you. So I mean, it all it just all went sour. It, it all went sour at the end there. But yeah. yeah. It had he had to go. It was right. over. There was nothing left on that tenure. But you know, again, a lot of people, and and this is just mind-boggling to me, are putting Beamer on the hot seat. I just I cannot for the life of me understand that, Chris. This guy has come in, took the lowest money of any coach in the SEC, has said all the right things at the podium, except maybe for the find some joy to the people that are frustrated. This guy has really put our program on the pedestal as far as doing things the right way. The recruiting has been phenomenal, phenomenal, both through the transfer portal and through high school recruiting. And we're at a point now where we're all frustrated because it's obvious what the weakness is on this football team. We see it. But a part of me can't help but wonder, why is Shane Beamer prolonging this? Why did Shane Beamer bring this guy back after last year? You think about the results after that Clemson game. You and I were there. Hmm. I've never been more humiliated or embarrassed by an offensive performance than I was at the end of that game walking out of that (laughs) stadium. With that kind of hype and that kind of environment. And 
there were people then at that time saying, we're paying this guy $900,000 for that kind of offensive performance, and we're complaining. And I was with him. I was ready for him to go. I did not want him to come back this year. But he sold that pro-style offense to the hottest quarterback on the transfer market in, in Spencer Rattler. He won me back just because he brought in a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, sold him on this pro-style offense, his style – Recruiting was good. I was willing to give him another chance for this season. But we have reached game, what, 10, 11? And that offense is just as pathetic as it was last year, if not worse. Mm -hmm. And now Shane Beamer has got to make a decision. He has got to make a decision. Is he going to do what he said he's going to do and build an offense that's going to be prolific and score points just like what they did at Oklahoma? Or is he going to let this continue to hang on? I do not believe he is going to allow this guy to continue to hang on any further. I think he wants the best for Marcus Satterfield. I really do. But I see him make tough, tough decisions when he became the head coach and, and cutting some of our uh, assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. There are good men that are at good programs right now. Joe Cox, uh, 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 other guys um, that are at really good programs. But it wasn't his guy. He let him go. Yeah. Will Beamer have – the courage let's just call it courage to get rid of Marcus Satterfield and fix this offense I think that he does I think he makes this decision sooner than later we are going to be okay at South Carolina once this glaring problem is fixed if he does not make the decision if somehow he does propose a contract to the board of trustees to get this guy renewed this whole program will flip over upside down and it's going to be really, really bad. Beamer is not going to make that happen. Beamer is a smart guy. Just relax. We're going to have to endure these next two games. It is what it is, but hope is on the horizon. This recruiting class, if he can keep it together, has a lot of offensive line in it, has a lot of our weaknesses fixed in it. And Beamer is 1000% the guy. I love what he brings. I love the energy he brings. I love the way he talks. I love his passion. I love the fact we sold out every Saturday home game this season. Why? Shane Beamer, man. Muschamp wasn't doing that. Shane Beamer is the reason that we had a glimpse of success this year. He will get it fixed. South Carolina football will be back better than ever next season. You can count on that, my friend. Beamer ball to the moon. Hey, I, I agree with you. I'm behind Beamer 110%. I, and, I, and I think he will also, I agree, he will make the necessary adjustments. Like you said, Beamer's not a – Beamer's very self-aware. He's a very smart man. He, he knows what needs to be done. Absolutely, my friend. Now, you know, the defensive side of the ball has got to be looked at as well. Clayton White had a good year one. Maybe some of these teams have figured him out year two mm-hmm. a little bit particularly some of these SEC teams. Maybe they've figured out what he is trying to do in his schemes. But I still think Clayton White is a great hire. Uh, I think he's done a a remarkable job, particularly year one. This year, maybe not quite as good, but really like what he brings on the recruiting trail as well. Hmm. We we just got to be patient, guys. We just have to be patient. We have to realize that South Carolina football is just kind of in a little bit of a, a lull right now, but we have seen flashes of brilliance this year. And if we can go out and get that big-name offensive coordinator, and I don't see any reason why we can't, 
But if we can get that guy and bring him in and build the type of offense you honestly need to have in this conference, we get that guy here, then you can believe South Carolina football will be right there with the best of them. The talent is there, particularly at the skill position. Um, so we just got to keep it together for two more weeks. I'm proud of Gamecock Nation for selling out the game this weekend, uh, this Saturday. I'm proud of y'all and uh, look forward to uh, to seeing how, how that environment is. And, and who knows, if we can just hang around like Beamer says, if we can just get it into the fourth quarter somehow, some way, something, who knows? Maybe we can uh, Maybe we can pull something out. We'll see. We'll see. James, I appreciate it, man. Fantastic call. Always a pleasure. Anytime you want to call in, my friend, I welcome it. Yeah, thank you. Good stuff from uh, from James Reynolds. That was, yeah, that was, I think that was all well-spoken, well-said. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is kind of interesting. I will give James a little nudge because it's like he, he's, he's preaching the patience thing and it's like calling for 10 and two in year two. I don't know if that's necessarily being patient, but I, no, I, I, I listen, I, I do, it's, it's interesting, right? It's, it's not an easy answer because I do think you should be patient, right? I, I do think there's an argument to be patient and to give a coach time to build and, and, and field the kind of product and build the kind of program he wants to build. But then, you know, I posted a clip this morning. You, you, you see what Josh Heifel's doing. And Heifel was hired one month after Shane Beamer. And they are on a remote, just a just completely different level completely different chase what's up man queen slayer how you doing yeah working in the rain on clemson university listening to some of these callers i'm pissed off chris i'm just gonna put it that way yeah phone lines are ringing uh, off the hook today man it's uh not your typical yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you know you're doing mm. something something well man so uh respect to you and, and the business. I uh, just wanted to make a comment, you know, some of these people not understanding, you know, you know, I'm not a sunshine pumper. I think you know that by now. I never was preaching the 10 and 2, but I wouldn't be in like, you know, our friend, I wouldn't be in like our friend Cody either and saying 3 and 9. I projected us to be 7, seven and 5 this year with a bold chance to go maybe get an 8 win just from all the t- uh talent that we upgraded at across the board offensively this year you just there's nothing wrong with some of these things you know people calling in and voicing their opinions and stuff about what we should expect and getting upset about people criticizing you know beamer and stuff i'm like you i back beamer 110 percent. i just want to let that be known to people that don't know that um but something's got to be done. Something's got to change, and I don't think there's any wrong with uh, any anybody criticizing coaching right now or the staff with how what we're seeing on the field. Did I expect us to beat some of these teams? No, but it's all about perspective of how we look on the field. People pay good money, way more money than I'm paying every year, to sit through and see some of these performances, I mean, it's not even close. Now, if we come out, and, like I've told you in you know, the discourse, we come out and look good and, you know, put up a fight. A loss is a loss. There's no moral victories, but it shows improvement. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this year we look worse than what we did last year in some phases of the game. And that just seems 
out of this mind. Do I know the history of our school? Yes. I know we're a 500 program. And yeah, we should know that, like Phil was saying. I get that. But I'm not going to find some joy in it. I was there for that uh, when we beat Alabama in 2010. I saw that. I saw the Ole Miss game in person the year before that, or that same year. I can't remember exactly when it was, but when we beat Ole Miss when they were ranked fourth or fifth in the country. I was at that game after the 0-11 season when we beat New Mexico State for our first win in so long, and we tore down the goalpost against New Mexico State. I was there for that. I've seen all the mediocrity. I've seen the good times and the bad. But that just shows me that those good times, it can happen. And that wasn't even the – I mean, maybe that was a plateau, but that just shows me that we can get there. I don't know why it's such a a hard concept for people to understand. Like, yeah, we used to find some joy, six and six. Yeah, I'm happy we're making a bowl game. But that shouldn't be what we're, we're capped at. That shouldn't be like, oh, well, write it off, boys. We don't even have to play these next two games. Who cares? We're going to a bowl. I wake up every Saturday, and I want to win every game, just like I know most of the people that's listening to this show want to. But that don't mean I'm not realistic that we're probably going to get our back doors blown in. My heart tells me one thing, too, but my I always give you two picks most of the time when I call in and give you a pick. Uh, And I usually pick us to lose, but that don't mean I'm like, hey, maybe the offense finally shows up. But we are who we are at this point. And I'm just rambling now because I need to get this off my chest with listening to some of the callers, like not understanding the concept of that. We should be disappointed with the performance we're seeing. I get it. It's year two. We're building. But some of the uh, on-field performances has been mediocre, lackluster. I mean, there, there's so many words. I, I can't even find any joy in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, the, like the, it's just disheartening. And there needs to be a move made. I know we all know that Satterfield's probably not – he's not coming back. We know that. But I don't understand why there's no changes being made during these games and, and talked about, I mean, getting a few snaps here and there from Dak. They need to do something. I know Rattler a, a, is a talented quarterback in a flawed system, and I'm open to getting a new system in here for him to work in if he decides to come back next year or if he doesn't transfer because he's, like, totally mind-blown of how this year's went in his own right. But as of this now, at this point right now, we need to change something. And I'm not going to affect him or, or play call or what. But Dak, I've never been a Dak QB1 guy. But after these last couple of weeks, and, you know, we've seen him shine at other spots, something's got to be done. Like, he needs to, if he needs to come in a lot more against this Tennessee game. We just can't come out and do the same rinse and repeat that we've done in and out predictability where everybody in the uh, big cock club discord is sitting on the watching the call together all sitting there saying, yep, here comes screen pass. Oh, third and 18. We're going to throw it down the field. Now nah, here comes screen pass. It's just ridiculous. So that's all I got for you, man. I just think that people need to realize it's all about perspective and how you look on the field. And, and, and I feel like we've digressed in a lot of different ways this year. Uh, go Cox, Pete Limbo for uh, Coach of the Year. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, keep doing what you're doing. I'll talk to you later. Chase, well said, man. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a great call. That was a great call. Um, and, and I would agree with him. You know, six and six shouldn't be looked at as the cap for this program. It should not. Um, so it's all about balancing perspective, right? That's, that's, that's what it's all about. I think some uh, 
Some great insight there from Chase. Some great insight. And and I'll say this too, by the way, I, I I'm pretty sure those tuned into the TDC questions channel are, are are tuned into the show. And I see people going back and forth about about this season and like us beating Vandy and like, well, at least we didn't lose to Vandy. Could talk about like, are we really judging the season based off the Vandy game? Like, is that where we're at? Is that the point that we're at? Come on, man. Like, <laughs> I'd rather you bring up the A&M game or the Kentucky game. Bring up the freaking Vandy game. Hunter, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Um, yeah, so I got a quick question. Uh, yeah. Just one. Uh, what is, so what's your opinion on, uh, since this is our last home game, uh, what's your opinion on uh, what, what we should uh, wear for the jerseys? I mean, I'd, I'd say all black. Why not? Yeah, I mean, why not? Right? Why not? I mean, I, I kind of like I, I kind of like the guarding the black, but I mean, yeah, black out. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen that. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, that's just I just say why not? I mean, I don't know what they're gonna wear, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yep, that, that's all I did, man. I appreciate it, Hunter. You're the man. Appreciate you, dude. Twenty twenty four. Anyways, um, James Reynolds says, which, oh, by the way, we scored a whopping seven points in the second half of the Vandy game. Yeah. Greg Bedinger, yeah, I'll be there Saturday night. I will most certainly have a hoodie on. We'll have a coat to be bundled up. It is going to be cold. I think it's like a high of like 54 Saturday, so it's going to be very chilly at kickoff, no doubt. You know what's funny, guys? I, I see some people – I see some people and a couple folks have hit me up and said, hey, man, you should make a Find Some Joy shirt. Guys, y'all know that South Carolina sells those, right? They, they already sell those. Like, they sold those after Beamer's initial Find Some Joy uh, comments after the bowl game. So, USC sell those. I, I'm, I'm not making... I'm not making find some joy t-shirts, man. What's funny is I could, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing that because I ain't rocking that. I, I ain't rocking no find some joy shirt. I can tell you that right now. Nope. That, that you know, and I'll say this, guys, that's that's one of those, I love Beamer to death. That's one of them slogans that just needs to die. It needs to die a, a death. It needs to, It needs to burn into oblivion. It needs to burn into oblivion, folks. Flat out. Uh, yeah, that one needs to be retired. <laughs> needs to be retired. So, guys, we got Shane Beamer's presser upcoming, by the way, speaking of finding joy, if you will. We got Beamer's presser upcoming. Excited to hear. I mean, we'll see. What does Beamer have to say? Yeah, I don't know. So, what about put Dak in merch? <laughs> I told you, man, like three, four years from now, I'm going to be walking around the tailgate wearing put Dak in. And it's just going to be like an ode to the fact that, like, we're still just saying put put Dak in. Um, William Yex says, check. We, I don't know if we've ever actually played a voicemail on the show. I'll, I'll do it. Let's see. William Yex called in, left a voicemail. Here's what William Yex had to say. We're all going to listen together. Hey, Chris, this is William Yex. Uh, I hear a lot of talk about our offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield. I agree. Well, somebody somebody's calling in. 
uh, Mike Van Ort. I'm trying No, here we go. Ready to go. We have a lot of talent that is underutilized on the team, and I disagree with the whole scheme. You see Tennessee Volunteers, Philadelphia Eagles, they have these quarterbacks similar to Rattler's skill set, and they're all fast-paced offenses. They're a lot of quick game and just move the ball down the field until they can take the big deep shot. And I think we need to bring someone in that has that offensive mindset into Columbia. But also, I mean, no one really talks about how bad. Oh, sorry. Phone went into sleep mode. Bad the run defense is. And I really don't understand why it's so bad. I know we're not super strong at linebacker. But we have Zach Pickens. He is a six-year. All right, we're going to – Oh, man. Didn't seem right. We need to reschedule this thing to tomorrow or something with the assistants. Um, Well, hope everything's okay, David. Uh, Certainly uh, want to express my condolences and thoughts and prayers to everyone in Charlottesville and the University of Virginia community. What an unspeakable – tragedy and and um uh no words but they certainly have our uh prayers and support our players came to me yesterday and wanted to do something to honor them on saturday so i believe we're going to wear a sticker on our helmet um uh, in remembrance of, of of those lost and and thinking of coach elliott obviously know him well from his time at clemson and carla williams their athletic director carla and i carla and i were at uh, the university of georgia together and think the world of her and and uh, did not know, uh, obviously hits really close to home with the loss of Lavelle Davis. I did not know Lavelle personally, but um, uh, speaking, knowing so many people down there at Woodland High School and how highly they think of him, he sounded like just a, a special, special, special human being and young man and along with everyone else that, that, that died tragically. I was just in Woodland High School during the off week and, and uh, we were talking about Lavelle and how well he's doing at Virginia. So. Um, Terrible deal, and thoughts and prayers go out to them, uh, certainly, and anything we can do here at Carolina to help, we absolutely will. Um, and then on another note, I know somehow this has become like a, a narrative, so I want to go back like two or three weeks to after the Vanderbilt game because I believe there's a misconception that I called out our fan base for criticism, which could not have been further from the truth. For those of you that were in the room that night, And I said that there was a small portion of the fan base that when they found out that Marshawn Lloyd was not playing in the Vanderbilt game, probably thought that it was over, that we didn't have a chance to beat Vanderbilt. And I said it's the same group or same mentality that when Luke Doty got hurt in August of last year, that so many people thought our season was going to go in the toilet after that. And I said that we have to get past that as a fan base and find some joy. I did not say that I'm not subject to criticism. I am certainly open to criticism. I'm a head football coach and I'm the leader of this program. So fire the criticism at me because certainly I uh, um, can take it. I grew up the son of a head football coach. I understand what this chair entails. I dealt with criticism of my father growing up. I've dealt with criticism as an assistant coach. And now I've uh, as a head coach, you deal with criticism. So I get it. That's part of the job. And by no means was I not was I calling out our fan base. There's an old adage, if you don't know it, look it up, called Murphy's Law, that if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen. And I've been hearing about that ever since I was an assistant coach here at South Carolina, about curses and things like that. There's no 
dang curse, all right? And my message, what I was trying to say that night in Nashville was that we need to get past the negative mindset of just waiting for something bad to always happen here and that something bad is right around the corner. Uh, and that's when I use the expression, find some joy. So I get it. With the way we played against Florida the other night, there wasn't a lot of joy in that, nor do I expect people to find a lot of joy in that. But I also am not going to be on an emotional roller coaster every single week as a head football coach and the leader of this football program either. And I'm going to try and find the positives in everything. And when uh, we have an injury, whether it be to Marshawn Lloyd against Vanderbilt or Luke Doty last year in preseason camp or Jordan Strawn and Bo Caba against Arkansas this year, or Cam Smith who missed games because of an injury, or who, CBS, or whoever it might be, um, it's the next man up mentality and not, oh my God, what are we going to do right now because this guy's missing. So that's the message I was trying to make that, that night in Nashville. Hopefully you guys that were in that room realize that because uh, apparently it's taken on this whole other narrative that Shane is criticizing the greatest fans in America, which is not the case. So anyway, enough of that. We've got a heck of an opportunity on Saturday night in uh, Columbia, uh, back in Williams-Brice Stadium, uh, our Salute the Troops game. Uh, I want to thank them so much for their uh, service to our country and the things that our military does to allow me to be able to coach and do the things that I love to do, our players to be able to do what they love, you guys to be able to do what you love and as well. So I'm so grateful uh, for our uh, military and all they do for our amazing country. Uh, another sold-out environment in, in Williams-Brice Stadium. Again, thank you to our fans for selling out every single Saturday game this year, not just SEC games, but non-conference as well. That's fantastic. Uh, it's going to be electric in there Saturday night. I would hope that our fans would be there early for the for the uh, the walk when our players arrive from the hotel. Uh, we need to make that electric and rocking. I know it's going to be on Saturday night. We need to we need our crowd to be the 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 factor and have the impact on Saturday night, just like they did against Texas A&M. And we need to be even better. I told our players today, we've been talking about it, we need more from everyone in our program. And we're, we're, we're trying to do that from a football standpoint, players and coaches and staff. And we need more from everyone in Williams-Brice Stadium this Saturday night also. It's the last opportunity to be in there together. And uh, it's gonna be special. Uh, I would hope our fans would be in the seats early to honor a really, really special group of seniors that uh, not everyone has been here for four, five, six years, but a lot of them have, and they've been through two head coaches, and, and they went from uh, their sophomore year, for the most part, winning two games, to now as juniors and seniors, or seniors and super seniors, getting to go to bowl or back-to-back -back bowl games with an opportunity to be even better than what they were last year. Uh, very proud of them and, and honored to be their coach, and they certainly deserve every recognition that they get on Saturday night. So. Uh, uh, hope and I know our fans don't take them for granted and I hope our fans will be in there early to recognize those guys before the game also going to be everything that's right about college football you know the number one broadcast crew for ABC ESPN with Kirk Herbstreet Chris Fowler and Holly Rowe coming uh, is a fantastic opportunity SEC Nation being here all weekend Paul Feinbaum broadcasting live on the horseshoe I think on for horseshoe right on Friday afternoon uh, live and, and all of their stars here on Saturday morning as well we've got a bunch of recruits that are going to be at the game we've got some young men that'll be here on their official visits that'll be a part of going to watch the Feinbaum show Friday and SEC Nation on Saturday so I hope our uh, students and fan base would pack out um, pack out 
the horseshoe as well and and get this weekend started right so and then obviously we've got a heck of a challenge once the game kicks off on saturday night in williams bryce a uh, really 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 good team that's playing well not just on offense but all three phases special teams play really really hard they're explosive they got dynamic returners in the return game uh, that we've got to do a great job against defensively uh, you look at everything statistically in our league they're right up near the top in all of it they're playing really well they're disruptive um, up front they're really really talented and athletic and instinctive at linebacker their secondary has depth and, and plays really really hard and physical and then, you know, offensively speaks for itself uh, what a great player Hendon Hooker is. Uh, I remember watching him in high school. I was at Georgia. We were trying to recruit another young man from Greensboro. And I remember being up there on a Friday night watching uh, that young man play. And he was playing against Hendon's team. And just remember watching him that night and just how talented he was as a quarterback. As an alumnus of Virginia Tech, I'm still trying to figure out how the heck he got out of Blacksburg when he was their starting quarterback there um, and ended up at Tennessee. So for selfish reasons as an alumni or an alumnus of Tech and the head coach of South Carolina, um, wish he was still in Blacksburg uh, for sure. But uh, what it sounds like a special young man and, and he's playing at a really, really high level, really good offensive line. A lot of talk about their receivers, and rightfully so, but they want to run the football. This is a physical football team. And uh, and then a veteran group, too. I mean, look at it. Every single starter they have on offense and defense is either a junior or a senior. I don't know the last time I saw that. I'm, I, maybe, I've, maybe it's happened this year, and I just wasn't paying attention. But um, most teams that we play, I mean, have freshmen and sophomores sprinkled in there. This is a group that every starter on offense and – Every starter on defense is a junior or a senior. So when you talk about veteran group, these guys are. They've played a lot of football, and it shows, and they're playing at a really, really high level. Uh, our guys are excited about the challenge and going to take a great week of practice to go out there and play well on Saturday night. So sorry for that long opening statement, but fire away. Who does it Ben? Ben gets to be the guy? Wow. Big shoes, Bill. Our Ben. <laughs> Bill. Volunteers tribute here. <laughs> I don't know who's Bill. <laughs> Um, Shane Josh was in here talking about how when he came back this year, you know, obviously there was some thought that he could be, you know, the number one receiver, go for a thousand yards, all those <laughs> things. And obviously it's shaken out a little differently. And just kind of with that, how have you seen Josh kind of take to that? I mean, it seems like he's taken to it in a pretty mature way and, and yeah. sort of taken on a di bit of a different role. What's it been like seeing him kind of adjust to that? Yeah, I think Josh has been awesome. And, uh, and, and going back to when Josh came back, I mean, I can remember sitting in my office with him and telling him, Look, if you're coming back thinking that you're going to catch 100 balls next season, you're probably not because I knew we had some other receivers coming along and we had uh, – we just we would have more depth on offense and it would have been hard for anybody. I would have had that conversation with anybody, not just uh, Josh, just about where we are. But I also told him, you know, you can continue to help yourself – as well for the next level there's certainly things that you can do better and and not so much stats and accolades but being able to show things at the receiver position he certainly has helped himself uh from a punt return standpoint with what he's done back there for us also i think he's been fantastic he's a leader for us 
He's uh, matured in so many ways on and off the field and, and really, really proud of Josh and, and, and everything's, everything he's about. He's made some big-time catches for us out there in games this season. He made a really big one the other night on a third and forever across the middle. So in my mind, though, he may not have the accolades or the stats that he wants, but he has certainly helped himself this year as a wide receiver and from a special team standpoint. I mean, he was out there covering punts the other night on our punt team at the end of the game also, and, and uh, he does a lot for our football team. Uh, Zach and Jordan were in here earlier talking about Tennessee's tempo. As a coaching staff, how do you go about simulating an offense that goes that fast? What goes into planning practices for this Tennessee offense? Yeah, it's hard uh, because it is different. And, and, and uh, you know, we play teams throughout the year that, that mix some tempo in and utilize it. So you're always preparing for it. Uh, we do it some, you know, in practice. You guys have been out there when we've done it in practice and just a tempo period where we go as fast as we can for four or five plays. But not every single play and at the pace that Tennessee does. So it, it one, it stresses your scout team a lot. Now, we don't do a ton of scout team work. We do a lot of, you know, good on good type stuff. But uh, we did, we mixed in some tempo today to try and help the defense when we were doing stuff. It, you know, our scout team today, the the, the amount of time that we, excuse me, did do the scout team work. They were awesome, uh, those guys. I mean, they, the offensive line, because of our depth on the offensive line, I mean, there's no offensive line sub. So those guys on that scout team offensive line, I mean, they're taking every every play and uh, can get winded pretty quick. But it takes a lot of organization from the graduate assistants and the coaches to make sure that the guys can get lined up. And, and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's different, but we, we spent a lot. It wasn't like we all of a sudden just woke up this morning and tried to figure out how we're going to do it. I mean, it's something that we've been thinking about in the off season and talked more about Sunday and and uh, and Monday before we got into today. Kind of sticking with Tennessee's offense. I know it's probably easier said than done, but what do you guys have to do to maybe create some negative plays and disrupt Tennessee from a schedule perspective offensively? Tackle. Tackle is huge and and I mean that in the sense that one it starts up front like you you've got to be able to limit them in the run game I mean if they can just line up and just run up and down the field on you and be able to throw the ball it's going to be really really hard for anybody so you've got to it starts up front you've got to be able because they want to run the ball uh, you've got to be able to control the run that's not just the running back but they run the quarterback as well so you've got to be able to stop the run and just understand like they're going to complete passes and they're going to make plays uh, we've got to do a great job of tackling when they do. I mean, if you watch the Georgia game, Georgia did a great job of tackling. Like Tennessee completed passes, and they and but when they completed them, it wasn't missed tackles that resulted in seventy-yard touchdown passes. It was a ten or fifteen-yard catch that immediately the guys tackled, and then you put the ball down and and keep snapping it. So we've got to do a great job of tackling, Colin. And then the other thing is just situational football is going to be critical. Third down, you've got to be able to get off the field. Red zone, you've got to be able to hold them to, to, to field goals and not let them score touchdowns. And Tennessee did a good job of that. And it's easier said than done, but it starts up front on the line of scrimmage and then out there on the perimeter, we got to do a great job of tackling. Hey, Shane, when you have a position that's or a, a side of the ball that's you know struggling like the offense has, uh, as the head coach, what, what do you do in that situation? Do you kind of go back and say, okay, well, we're going to try to simplify? Do you say, okay, different you know, we're going to get different groups on the field now. Like, uh, take us through what you kind of do to try to get that back on track the last two weeks. Yeah, I think it's each week's different. And you always, after every game, kind of sit, sit back and say, okay, what, what were the issues yesterday and why were they the issues? Was it um, we uh, 
couldn't hold on to the ball and we turned the ball over too much, well, maybe we need to spend a little bit more time on on ball security, which we do a ton of already in practice to begin with. Or, okay, um, were we making a lot of mental errors and guys just didn't play with confidence? Well, maybe we had too much in and their minds were cluttered. And that's not just offense, that's defense and special teams. I mean, we do that every week as well. And um, so I think that's the biggest thing is just every Sunday, and you guys have heard me say it, win or lose, we, we take stock of what happened the day before and try and learn from it and, and, and make corrections and continue to build upon the things that we do, did well. It's also, okay, who is the next opponent? What are the problems they present? And how do we um, combat that as well? What are some issues or areas that we want to attack and how do we do that? And then it's also just not trying to constantly just reinvent the wheel either. You know, let's um, let's continue to try and raise the raise the floor, you know, of where we are and, and continue to just try and be better. And it might mean tweak this, tweak that, but it's not all of a sudden just wholesale changes every single week schematically and things like that. Okay, we're blowing this up because that didn't work. Let's try this now. I mean, we we, we stick to what we are right now, and it hasn't been good enough, but we just continue to try and do it better uh, week after week. You talked about Josh, but you got a lot of guys who are going to be playing their last home game at williams Bryce this Saturday night. Just how special is that group to you as the guys who invested in you when you came in and so many of them who even came back for that additional year to help you build this foundation? No, nah, they're um, so special and um, just think so highly of them. They're they're great people first and foremost and and – you know, last year's group was special, Jalen Foster and, and those guys, Aaron Sterling and Nick Muse and on and on and on. Uh, and they had one year with me and and gave me everything they had, gave us everything they had, and were able to go out, go into a bowl game. But this group's even more special because a lot of these guys did not have to come back. You know, they, they stayed for a season, but then they believed enough in what we were doing here as a program that they chose to stay for another year and I'm just so happy for them you know I'm sure they didn't expect want to be necessarily six and four they expected to be 10 and 0 at this point well we're not but the fact that they're getting to accomplish there's still a lot of things out there for them to accomplish the fact that they um, believed in my me and what we're doing as a program enough to stay around for another year it says so much about them and then not just that but the ones guys like Zach who came back and have done nothing but just skyrocket his draft status, you know, with the way that he's played last year. So that's what I love is the guys that come back and they, they come back and it's not like one foot in, one foot out. I mean, those guys have been, not to take somebody else's analogy or expression, but they've been all in in everything that we're doing here this season here at Carolina and thinking about whatever they got to do to make us be the very best they can be. They've helped themselves as future football players beyond South Carolina. And I, you know, I can remember Javon Gwynn and Eric Douglas when they told me and won them that they were coming back. And all three of them sat in my office and told me that they felt like they had so much more to accomplish and they weren't satisfied with just winning seven games and going to a bowl game, that they wanted to be better leaders. They wanted to be uh, make more of an impact on this program and do even more with this program. And they've done all that, you know, and more, and then still have things out there for them to, to hopefully accomplish here down the stretch also. As Jalen Hyatt's had his really good season, have have you had to maybe remind people that y'all weren't here when he was not offered by South Carolina? <laughs> no, but I am. I was not here. I did not. I was. I, 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 Jalen Hyatt is a phenomenal football player. 
and I was coaching at the University of Oklahoma when he graduated and, and, and chose to go to Tennessee. So I haven't had to hope people know that. But, no, I've certainly heard from people about what an idiot I am that I didn't recruit Jalen Hyatt. Well, you know, blame Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal because we didn't recruit him at Oklahoma and, and um, whoever else here. But, you know, certainly he's a fantastic player and, and what a year – He's uh, what a year he's having, and what a threat he is out there on the perimeter. Also, how, how do you guys, as a staff, juggle that? Because small state like this, I'm sure there are a lot of people who reach out to you guys about their players and think maybe you guys should offer or whatnot. How, how do you guys sort of? Yeah, juggle that? no, it's right. I mean, we, we always want to start um, in the state of South Carolina with recruiting. You guys have heard me say that, and we always will. Uh, we're always going to trust our evaluations as coaches. Um, ultimately, we have to bring people into this program that can help us beat the teams that we play in the SEC. Uh, and, and but you also got to you got to get guys in here, and you got to be able to develop them. Also, you know, so that's what I would say, Hill. Is we just we we trust our evaluation, and and we we can't take everyone. But there aren't as many players coming out of this state as there are the state of California or Texas just because of a population standpoint. So we want to do, be very, 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 very diligent in evaluating every potential prospect here in South Carolina, um, whether it's us being in their high schools, us them, them being at their summer camps. And, you know, anybody that says we don't, full of it. I mean, we took Nick Emmemori and DQ Smith, who had zero offers, basically. And uh, we trusted our evaluations on those two guys. And, and those two players, I'd say, are off to a pretty good start here as players here at Carolina. Now, are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. And I'm sure we've made some already since I've been here on guys that we didn't take that I'd love to have or whatnot also. But it's an inexact science. And we want to do um, you know, make sure that we're making the right decisions on every single player in this state, and and uh, but also making sure that we're bringing in the number of guys each year that can help us beat the teams that we have to compete against. Also, hey Shane, one more Jalen Hyde question: Tennessee's uh, tempo offense. Uh, how does that make Jalen even more effective, or make it more challenging to cover him? Um, one, figuring out where he is for sure. Um, Typically, he's going to be in the slot, but sometimes he's going to be outside. Sometimes they're using motion with him. Sometimes he's going from one side of the field formation to the other. And no matter where he's lined up, he's really, 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 really fast and has the ability to take the top off the defense immediately when the ball is snapped. Um, so they do a great job of, of moving him around. It's not just him. I mean, they got fantastic receivers all over the, the field. Um, with obviously Jalen's speed and, and athleticism, but just the, sh the size they have and the physicality they have along with him also. There, there's a bunch of weapons, but they do a great job with him of moving him around, Rick. And, and one, you've got to get lined up with their tempo and make sure you're in the right place. But now when the ball is snapped, you've got a guy with elite speed you know, coming right at you. So um, it's a, uh, it's certainly a challenge. And when you have a guy like him that's as, that's as uh, dynamic as he is, it makes it even, even tougher. Shane, first of all, thanks for taking care of the time differential. Did we get it right. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. should. I was in here with the DBs this morning, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's good to, good to see that we're we're on the same page now. Right. You know, you mentioned in your opening statement the roller coaster, the up and down things that it can be. From the outside, you also mentioned last week how you try and keep it off the players from mm -hmm. it affecting you. How hard is it to let any of that 
stop you from building things the way you want to build it? You know, is there any, uh, are there hurdles in that outside noise that can prevent, you know, a coach from doing exactly what he wants to do with his team? Um, good question. No, I think there certainly is, are. You just want, you want to make sure that our guys don't lose sight of, you know, what's real and, and, and what's not real. And uh, there's a whole lot of work that they've put into this season going all the way back to January that they've invested into this. Uh, and then understanding that no disrespect to anybody on the outside, that they haven't been a part of all that. And then just making sure that we stay, you know, stay close and, and stay connected and, and we see what's real day in, day out inside this building. And are there things that we need to do better? Absolutely. And is a lot of that outside noise, criticism, whatever warranted? Absolutely. But also making sure our guys know that we, they as players, we control, you know, what happens. We control how we respond and, and you know, making sure that you're not, um, not uh, that you're, that, that we talk to our players all the time about talking to yourself. Don't listen to yourself and make sure, okay, make sure you're talking to yourself and not, listening to what you're hearing and what you may be telling yourself because of whatever you're hearing outside this building continue to work and just keep our head down and every week uh, you know as a coach and as a player I get it we're judged on 12 Saturdays a year and it's either really 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 good or it's really 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 bad there's typically not like an in-between and just uh you know just trying to keep our head down and just keep working and and uh, come up for air at the end of the season and and, and see what's what. Hey, Coach. Obviously, you've emphasized a lot this season about wanting to get off to better starts in these football games. And last year, of course, the Tennessee game, it did not start off the way you and the staff wanted it to. Have you brought it up this week with the players as a way to say, you know, last year was last year, put it to rest, this is a new opportunity for us? Or have you used it as a little bit of an external motivation, along with maybe it being the seniors' final home game this Saturday? Uh, to answer the first part of it, no. I mean, I, I haven't, at least in front of the team, talking, uh, haven't talked about the start last year. You know, I think they know um, we didn't get off to a good start at East Carolina. We didn't get off to a good start at Texas A&M last year um, either on the, uh, on, the, on the road. So that's something that we talked about off season and things like that. And then you went into this year, obviously Arkansas, we didn't get off to a great start. Kentucky, we did. Vanderbilt, we did. We did. The other night, we certainly didn't. But, you know, last year's game is last year's game. I think the only thing that we make reference to essentially is just not, we can't be shocked by the tempo. And we went out there last year and certainly you can prepare for how fast they're going to go. But until you're actually out there on the field in front of a hundred plus thousand, like we were in Knoxville, it's, it's different. And uh, so I think our guys making sure they understand that, We've got to be able to to handle the tempo better earlier, hopefully, than what we did uh, last season. Also, and then each week is each week is different, and we're always trying to get off to to good starts, um, certainly. And and uh, but we also got to be good too about not every game are we going to have a fumble recovery on the first play of the game defensively and go up seven nothing before we even blink. And not every game are we going to be able to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Like we've got to be able to respond when we don't score first or whatever it may be and we did that last year i mean we had two 14 nothing deficits and we came back and won football games in 2021 against auburn and east carolina or auburn east carolina i think florida maybe had us down three nothing early or something so each team is different and 2022 is different than 2021 but certainly we need to get off to a good start but if we don't we also have to understand that it's 
a four quarter game, and we just got to keep keep playing and keep uh, keep pounding away. Shane, not many people know as much about good special teams play as you do from you know your background and so forth. How special is what your special teams are doing this season? And the second part of this question is, you know that um, Pete Lembo is going to get some pretty impressive offers after this season. How important will it be for South Carolina to keep him? Uh, really, really important. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think Pete knows how much I appreciate him and Pete's been fantastic and, 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 and rightfully so. I mean, there was a reason that I, when I got hired, Gene, that I wanted to hire him as the special teams coach. I mean, some people said, well, your background special teams, why, why don't you just do it yourself? And there were different reasons. And I stay involved, certainly, because it's kind of what I've always been around. But it was one of those, if I can't hire Pete Limbo, then I really don't want to hire anybody. I will do it myself because I think that highly of him and, and that hasn't changed in my two years here. And he does a great job recruiting. He does a great job coaching. And and the fact that he's been a head coach too is really beneficial and helps me also. Um, and then what we're doing certainly is, you know, really, really special. And, and I think anytime you, when you have success from a special team standpoint, it just, it creates momentum obviously on the field during the game, but then just within the program and within the players where they're like, okay, you know, what's next? Uh, what, what, what's next? What, what, what do we have, you know, drawn up this week? And, and I'm, you know, um, they look forward to it, whether it's, you know, we, we uh, uh, special teams wise, I think we talked about it in Pete's themes for different calls during the week. And, and um, uh, you know, Two weeks ago, we went to Nashville, and it was a country music theme. So we had Carrie and Garth and and whoever, whoever else, Hank. I think we had some calls last week. Was he went with the Britney Spears Adele theme last week? He didn't know who Adele was, so I had to tell him who Adele was and make sure he knew her music. But I think our players, he does a great job, and I say that he does a great job of keeping the meetings fresh and the guys look forward. Okay, what do we have this week that that we're gonna do? And it's not always new. Um, I mean, we do a lot of the same stuff over and over again, meaning that we, we spend a lot of time on it and we're having the success that we have because I think we do a good job of coaching it. Our players have bought into it, but we spend a lot of time on it in the meeting room and on the practice field and in walkthroughs and things like that. So we invest a lot of time in it and we're getting great returns on it. And every week is, is different. And we made some plays the other night. We didn't against Missouri and we need to certainly make some Ten, uh, on, on Saturday night would be a huge, uh, huge part of the game. We scored a touchdown on them last year on a fake punt uh, against Tennessee, and we're going to need to be able to create uh, some some momentum on special teams also. And it's not just with fakes and things like that. It's covering kicks and controlling field position, which we're doing a great job with the way that Kai's punting the, punting the football also. Shane, you mentioned a couple weeks ago if you thought changing a coach's role was something to benefit the program, you would do it. I guess from a philosophical standpoint, where do you kind of stand with maybe making an in-season change from a coaching standpoint versus staying the course and kind of letting guys grow into roles and adjust? I think it goes back to the question a minute ago, just about each week trying to continue to figure out, okay, how can we be better uh, this week than what we were last week? And um, not just blowing everything up, but obviously this wasn't good enough. We need to be better. How are we going to be better this week? And that's, you know, that's any position. That's any, any, um, any side of the ball 
You know, um, the conversations we had on Sunday, we weren't good enough on offense the other night. We weren't good enough stopping the run on defense, and we weren't good enough protecting the football. A lot of different things, and we weren't good enough on third down. So, you know, we'll, how are we going to be better this week? Also, and just each week, it's it's um, it's um, it's trying to continue to elevate where we are at the current moment. Agent. Um, hey. Did we get an injury update on Marshawn and BJ, um, and then your ones who had the flu, Vershawn and, and Brad, and all them? How is everybody yep. progressing? You did, you did not get one, so um, <laughs> sorry about your Eagles last night as well. Um, <laughs> it's been a rough day. <laughs> I know. Uh, backing up, flu-wise, we are good. I'm um, trying to thank the guys that had it last week. I think I mentioned Leggett, and, and then a bunch of uh, starters on defense were out with the flu. No one had any issues uh, yesterday or today, so hopefully, hopefully that's behind us. Injury update: everybody, uh, anybody that went down in the Florida game is fine. Everybody practiced today. The only two guys that were limited in practice today that we are hopeful can play on Saturday would be Marshawn and CBS. Both of those guys were limited today in practice. Too early to say whether they're definitely out or uh, or not. They both have told me they're doing everything in their power to play, and we'll see where things are. Um, you know, they did a, a lot of good stuff treatment-wise today, and we'll kind of see where they are tomorrow, Emily, and hopefully they can do more tomorrow in practice than what they did today. Okay, thank you all. Okay, guys, that's it for Shane Beamer. Appreciate you all tuning in. That's going to do it for all for us today as well. Again, thank you all so much for the calls, the banter. TDC was absolutely electric today. And again, I appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, guys, listen, we know this. We already know this. There's nothing that's going to come out of any of these pressers. If it's not, we're firing Marcus Satterfield. We're going a different direction, which is not going to happen. All these press conferences, all of Shane Beamer's comments, all they're going to do is frustrate us to no end. And it is what it is. So, anyways, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate it. I'm going to get out of here. we got a busy, busy day. Content bleeding out the eyeballs. You already know the drill. Appreciate you all. You have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.